Spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Super Light Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. They've designed must-have travel styles for when you need to jet. The lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit makes these shoes some of the most packable styles ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Take the Super Light Tree Runner on your next adventure. Its cushy, lightweight foam midsole supports every step, and the extra outsole traction gives you the grip to just go for it. The eucalyptus fiber upper adds next-level breathability to keep you going all day. Plus, the Super Light Tree Runner is comfortable and ready to go right out of the box. So, what can you do in a Super Light shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. Welcome to The World in 10, the big news stories of the day, explained and analysed by The Times of London. Today with Rebecca Myers and Stuart Willey. A military transport plane crashes in Russia with no survivors. Now Ukraine and Russia dispute exactly what happened. In this podcast, we'll try to get to the bottom of it. A Russian military transport plane has crashed near to the border between Russia and Ukraine. This is the moment of the crash. The woman, filming from a distance, shouts out in alarm as a huge fireball appears over the Russian city of Belgorod. But after that, events are unclear, both sides disputing what was on board the aircraft and the reasons it came down. Russia says 65 Ukrainian prisoners of war were on board. Ukraine says it was carrying missiles being sent to the front lines. Mark Bennett covers the region for The Times. He told us the latest. Well, it's still kind of murky. Russia says that Ukraine deliberately shot down the transport plane to blame Moscow for killing Ukrainian servicemen, which is kind of strange because, I mean, they don't really see why why Ukraine would, would need to invent deaths of Ukrainian servicemen or cause the deaths themselves in order to accuse Russia of this. But basically, yeah, the Russian Defense Ministry says 65 Ukrainian prisoners of war, six crew members and three other passengers died when the plane um, crashed to the ground. It said they were being flown to prisoner exchange that was mm. supposed to take later today. Neither President Zelensky or the Ukrainian government have commented yet, but a spokesman for Ukrainian military intelligence has said that a prisoner exchange with Russia was due to take place today, but he didn't comment whether the prisoners of war were on board the plane. So it seems as if a prisoner swap was due to happen, and it hasn't happened yet. So the whereabouts of the soldiers is not looking very promising. Speakers in the Russian parliament say the plane was brought down by Ukrainian missiles. But Mark told us, as we record, the Ukrainians haven't yet commented on the claims. There's no evidence that Ukraine would have blown it up, blown it up itself. It could have been a Russian bomb on board the plane. It could have been a Russian missile because at least 12 of the Ukrainian prisoners of war were members of a Ukrainian military unit called Azov who defended the um, steel plant before finally surrendered Putin's forces. And when they were captured, hardliners in Moscow were calling for them to be executed. And as that war grinds on, today there was a stark warning from the head of the British army urging preparation for any potential war with Russia. I caught up with The Times defence editor Larissa Brown in the newsroom. 
It was a pretty extraordinary speech that we heard today. Uh, General Sir Patrick Sanders, the head of the army, is known for quite his, uh, for his candid remarks previously. However, uh, this morning's speech, I think, took quite a few people by surprise. He was saying that civilians will need to be trained and equipped to fight a future war possibly with Russia and he was he was warning that that, that basically the the army needs to be bigger it needs to grow to be able to combat future wars and that steps needed to be taken to ensure the public was on a war footing the government didn't want that speech to be released to the public but Larissa told us there are discussions in the British military that half a million people will be needed ready to fight I think people are really uh, worried across Europe and, and also in America that, that actually there is a, a real prospect of, of us having to fight a full-scale war soon. Um, there's obviously a lot of different conflicts going on at the moment. People are saying that we're in, living in one of the most uh, dangerous periods in a long time. And I think it's not just in military circles, it's also people in government who, and, and civil servants that feel that something could happen soon and that we need to be prepared uh, in case it does. Last night we saw Donald Trump romp to victory in New Hampshire. He lashed out at Nikki Haley, though. She's vowed to stay in. She says the race for the Republican nomination is far from over, but not according to the president. Joe Biden says it's now clear who will be his opponent come November. What isn't yet clear is who Trump will be running alongside, who will be his pick for vice president. We did take a closer look at the runners and riders for Trump's VP earlier this month on The World in 10. Look up the episode from the 11th of January if you're interested to hear more. Saudi Arabia and alcohol are two things you don't often hear in the same breath. Drinking booze is famously prohibited in the kingdom that's home to two of the holiest sites in Islam. It's only a few years since public flogging was among the penalties. But new regulations mean a liquor store is now able to open in the conservative country. Joining us on The World in 10 is Samar al-Atrush, the Times' Middle East correspondent. Hi, Samar. This isn't going to be the sort of liquor store we're used to in Western countries, is it? Yes, so only diplomats will be able to purchase it. They have to download an application on their phones. There are other measures. No Muslims are allowed to enter. You can't take pictures inside. It's so far only one store that seems to have it seems to be opening now. And uh, that's based in the diplomatic quarter compound of Riyadh, where all the embassies and many of the diplomats live. So on the one hand, it's a restriction. On the other hand, it comes as persistent rumors continue that Saudi Arabia may gradually ease its ban on alcohol and start allowing it in certain areas, perhaps in tourist resorts that are opening on the Red Sea or in some sometime down the line in, in, in Neom, which is a futuristic city that they want to build on the Red Sea. Saudi officials have publicly pushed back on this, saying that they won't be changing their laws for now. Uh, They believe that the package that they have to offer when it comes to tourism is sufficient, but that hasn't quelled the rumours. We've seen other reforms in the kingdom in recent years, music festivals, cinemas opening. What's prompted this latest change? Saudi officials and uh, diplomats in Riyadh say that this move seems to be aimed at restricting the amount of alcohol that 
diplomats were bringing in and their diplomatic luggage, which is allowed under international diplomatic convention. Some of that appears to have been making its way onto the black market. There have been apparently some embassy workers or contractors who get a hold of the alcohol and sell it off for, for exorbitant prices on the black market. So what the Saudis are trying to do here is to limit that and control the supply themselves. Samer, thank you very much. With a Times digital subscription, discover more about why Saudi Arabia brought in the alcohol ban back in 1952. And it's not just because the Quran forbids drinking. The Times reports that a party thrown by a British diplomat in Jeddah got a little out of hand. The host blocked a Saudi prince, the son of the king, from having further drinks and was shot dead. The king brought in the total ban months later. I imagine many of our listeners will be familiar with that sound, a sound heard by millions every day when you log into your Netflix accounts. And the number of people hearing it has grown even more in the past few months, with the streaming company adding 13 million subscribers in the final quarter of last year. That means they have a total of 260 million subscribers. And revenue of $8.8 billion, beating their own forecasts. A media analyst at Bank of America said Netflix is winning the streaming wars. Some of the growth in subscribers comes from what some called a gamble. The company cracked down on password sharing. They could have lost many folk, but it does seem to have paid off. What could be the next gamble? The company announcing its basic plan is going away, the cheapest option that allows you to watch without advertising in some markets. And they're arming themselves with plenty of sports too. They've just announced a $5 billion deal to show WWE wrestling. Plus a new Drive to Survive style documentary series about Major League Soccer from the same filmmakers who brought us the Formula One show. It's promising a never-before-seen insider's view, but it faces tough competition. Other streaming services also getting into sports in a big way. There's a growing transatlantic argument today that the US Embassy in London has just waded into, and it's all about the great British cuppa. And I think it's fair to say no drink makes Brits argue more than a cup of tea. The precise colour, the consistency, whether to warm the teapot first, whether to put the milk in first, is that true controversy. All are big topics of conversation. So when an American scientist waded in, urging us to drink tea with salt, well... (laughs) All hell broke loose. <laughs> Dr. Michelle Francil of Pennsylvania combed through hundreds of research papers and argued a pinch of salt leads to a sweeter, smoother brew. The US Embassy has apologised for what they call an unthinkable notion that threatens the sacred bond between the two countries. Now, the embassy also suggests microwaving the drink, (laughs) which goes beyond sacrilege in this tea-obsessed nation. But as somebody who can't drink milk and tea, or won't drink milk and tea, I'm off for a coffee. Thanks for taking 10 minutes to stay on top of the world with the Times of London. See you tomorrow. 